207? 207. Episode 207, Serious Rap Shit Podcast. I'm John, your host. I'm Josh, your other host. Yeah, what's 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 cracking, Josh? Um, you know, same shit, different day. I did have some weird shit happen the other day. So I was I was in a parking lot the other day and I like stopped in a store to grab something, and I seen this dude in the store, and he was like kind he was he was dressed in like a dicky set, but it was like a tan one, like not a, even a tan dicky set, but like almost like a one, like a painter's coverall type thing, like a but like a canvas type one, not like like a plasticky type one. And yeah, yeah. Um, he had like a straw hat with like a feather hanging off of it, and then like a feather hanging off of like in like out of the pocket on his like his uh, his like coveralls and shit. And he was talking to like almost everybody in the store, like individually and shit. And um, as I walked outside to get in my car, he had, like came over to me and he was just like, hey, man. And I was like, hey, what's up, man? And he was just like, yo, <laughs> the war with, with the reptilians is getting ready to start. Be what? ready. And I was just like, all right, man, cool. <laughs> and like I just got in my car and pulled right, off. Bro. And I'm like, damn, man. Thanks did, for the heads up. <laughs> did I just get drafted into the reptilian war? Like the tomorrow war. Yeah, did he like put like a tracker on me somehow? Like with that? <laughs> so like the trace with like Harry Potter shit, where like you could just like you know they know you're one of them, so like I just get zapped away when the Yo. war starts. Right. I like bro, like, I would have believed you more if you had like some army like tech gear or yeah. some shit. Were, I guess that is some Philly shit. You go to war wearing a dicky suit. <laughs> I was just like. Man, oh, man, like, yo, I don't know if I ever told you this. When I was a kid, probably like 12 or 13, like it was middle school. I definitely wasn't in high school yet. Yeah. I had this crazy, intense, like vivid dream about a war with a reptilian race that lived underwater. Fuck. Like, <laughs> I'm, dog, I mean, like super vivid, like. Yeah, I remember being like we got we all had got locked in cages and like we were like in these like essentially like giant dog crates were like stacked on top of each other. Humans were like being stored in there and they were like experimenting on us. And like I led a revolt with a bunch of prisoners out of there and like we stole Cobra Lai shit. Yeah. And like, it was something like maybe I had just watched way too many cartoons <laughs> and shit. I wasn't high. Yeah. I wasn't. Well, okay. I can't technically <laughs> say I wasn't doing drugs yet. I definitely had smoked some weed by that time and yeah, has, yeah. had drunk a little bit by like 12, 13 years old. You were on uh, drugs in that moment. I wasn't in drugs in that moment. Yeah. And like, I definitely wasn't doing like mushrooms and like, acid or no shit like that at that point and uh so i just remember this crazy vivid dream and like when dudes said that to me it brought all that flood of memory (laughs) back to and i was just like yo what if it was a prophecy i was having (laughs) what if he said to you like we've met before yeah dog (laughs) i came back to tell you this (laughs) i might have freaked i got literally might have freaked out and I'm like, damn, man, like, what if it was prophecy? So, like, just know, like, if I start coming on here talking about the reptilian war and, like, you know, it's coming, know yeah. that it was probably, like, some kind of brainwashing. What was, what's that MK Ultra shit? You know what I mean? Man, I, as somebody who uh, has experienced being out of their mind, <laughs> um, you know, I, I have empathy for bro or you know what the fuck do I know that nigga legitimately could be on to something I man is I've, I've seen some shit in my life where uh <laughs> it's it's made me less skeptical yeah you know what I'm saying not that I'm saying you know we're we're fighting a reptilian war but shit why the fuck not <laughs> you, know I mean? you know why the hell not I don't know what I don't know until I I know it I spent a large part of my youth watching X Files, and <laughs> I gotta rewatch X Files too. Um, I was just thinking that, you know, spent a large part of my life watching like 
you know, Factor Fiction and like all yeah. those shows, dog. So like, you know, I, dog, do you remember Alien Nation? Yeah, yeah. Dog, I just watched uh, the film version again. Mm-hmm. Rough, dude. Didn't <laughs> they drink like sour rough. milk or some shit like that? Yeah, they yeah. drank milk. I can't remember how they had sex. I don't know if it was the like men get a, pregnant though, right? Isn't it the men that get pregnant? Yeah, in that? The, the yeah, men yeah, carry yeah, the, yeah. The children they had the big fucking domes with mm-hmm. like the cheetah like, print on yes, it and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that was yeah. rough. Yeah, that, yeah, that dog. I again, we grew up in all like that was a like staple of of TV type shit when we were kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? You knew the, the aliens or the reptiles was coming. Yeah, based yeah. on film and TV. Yeah, it's a uh, you know they live, you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was a it was a staple of shit like that, and especially like Saturday afternoon movie on seventeen shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, like it. it I, I've man, it was a fucking. Uh, it was a trip when he said that to me, man. It brought back a lot of those like, <laughs> I, and not right away. Like at first, I was just like, okay, pop, like cool like let me get in my car (laughs) yeah before i have to engage this conversation because they like i as i got in my car and like was doing stuff in my car i pulled was getting ready to pull out of the parking lot and there was like a water company truck like on the side of the road near where i was pulling out and he was like in the window talking to them too and i was just like they're stuck like they can't even pull off and Mm -hmm. go nowhere because they're working on like a water main right there like they're legit stuck talking to this dude like i i'm put but like as i was starting to think about it i was like oh shit i did have that dream when i was a kid like what Mm -hmm. if it was all like prophecy like all that shit started flooding back to me they definitely sent that dude back from another dimension and was like yo you gotta warn him yeah, he was uh he was um re- Kyle Reese from fucking Terminator for me. <laughs> <laughs> Dog, niggas don't know. Uh, I was telling Liz this a while ago when Terminator Two came out. I don't remember Terminator One. Yeah, it was, I wasn't. We, yeah, we I were way too yeah, young for that. Yeah, we was young when Terminator Two came out, early nineties. Mm-hmm. Dog, we saw that shit at uh, the Shelham Mall theater, and motherfuckers was standing in the aisles. And the Shelly and Maul had like big, yeah. big rooms to watch it. It was, you know, you go there to watch like blockbusters. It wasn't like no art house. Yeah. Little, uh, uh, it wasn't cinema. the Ritz. Exactly. Exactly. It was motherfuckers lined up in the aisles watching that shit. People along back. It looked like, it looked like assembly in school yeah. where like a bunch of people like stand around, like a line the back of the theater and shit. I'd only seen one other movie that was like that. Uh, Malcolm X, the week Malcolm X came out, it was like that where people were sitting in the sitting down. It, I don't even know how the ushers let that shit happen. <laughs> like, it's a fucking fire hazard. People sitting down, you know, in the aisles and shit. So yeah, Terminator was a fucking phenomenon. Dog, I I saw that the day before I left for sleepaway camp. Like I went to go see that movie, um, and then like it was like the big treat before I was going away for a month for sleepaway camp, Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that shit freaked me. That movie is wild, and like you said, like I I saw, um, the original Terminator probably when I was like eight or some shit Mm -hmm. like that. Um, definitely wasn't like supposed to be watching that type shit, but like it was on TV and I watched it. Um, but I didn't like I don't rem- like I didn't remember it like it wasn't like a stellar memory in my head, so like a lot of like I didn't really re- like I watched Terminator One like f- with like pretty fresh eyes after Terminator Two like you know mm-hmm. what I mean, um, and like yeah I mean like that shit was there was a lot of that stuff when we were kids man so much of our childhood was spent with like future wars and. Mm-hmm. Wars with aliens, wars with reptilians. Excuse me, like that was huge. Like I remember, there was some like TV show on Fox or some shit like that where we were like at war with an alien race in the future, and like, mm. and what's crazy is a lot of that quote unquote future is like you know twenty twenty. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I hate watching an old movie <laughs> and they're like in the future. 2016. Like, yeah. 
Hate that shit. Like, fam, we're we're still living on credit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 2016, it wasn't that advanced. Credit and fucking fossil fuels. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Fucking terrible. Yeah, exactly. Like, we ain't that far advanced, man. Like, it's wild that we're like, there's, you know, obviously technology. Like, you know, we got fucking smartphones and shit like that. But, like, Mm. what the fuck was I listening? I was listening to something. And they were like, um, oh, they were talking about I haven't I haven't watched it yet, the Kanye documentary. And uh, the people that were talking about it mentioned like, oh, you know, Kanye was like Kanye says, like, I ain't even had no phone in the crib when he was like working on the first working on the beats and all that kind of shit, mm-hmm. right? And for a second I thought like, well, I mean, like, yeah, he probably didn't have a landline, but you know, he had a cell phone. And then I realized, like, oh no, like he probably didn't have a yeah. fucking cell phone. Yeah, yeah. It's weird yeah, that that's... it's like that's my brain is already adapted that idea of like, oh yeah, he probably had a cell phone. Yeah, like, a cell you know phone on him. Yeah. Nah, back in the day, man, like you, you could leave out your crib and niggas couldn't find you. Like <laughs> you just walk, you just walk out the house. Used to ask, I used to ask people. Yo, my my brother been around here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you seen it? You seen him earlier? You see so and so? You know what I mean? Like, you you walk out the house, you just fucking free and wide open. So my uh, one of our homies, you know, no, my the homie note he his he be in and out with phones. Like, he don't always keep a steady cell phone. And um, I haven't talked to him in a while, and like that's one of my closest friends. So I decided to the other day when it was nice. Um, you know, I haven't been going out a lot because of my back and, 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 you know, obviously COVID. Um, yeah. but like, so I, I dropped down the way and I was like, I'm gonna stop past the crib and see if he's there. He wasn't mm-hmm. sitting outside. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hop out and, and knock. So I knocked and his uncle answered and I was just like, yo, is note here? And he was like, yeah, he's not here right now. And I was like, all right, cool. And it felt so much like, like being a kid. Where yeah, it was like you go to your shit. friend's house and knock on the door and be like, yo, is, is Johnny home? And they'd be like, yeah, Johnny's mm-hmm. not here. And you'd be like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to have to like sit outside and wait to see when he comes back because yeah. like <laughs> there's no other way to wait to see if someone's home. Like, yeah. You remember coming home and like your homie's like sitting on your stoop? Yeah. And then y'all just go off on an adventure. <laughs> yes. You came back from an adventure. Yeah. You see your homie, eh, you just go off and go do some other shit. Yeah, no, that was that was legit a thing where it was just like, oh, you didn't. It is, it is weird, um, going from like a time, like our kids will never know that. Like our kids will never know a time when it wasn't like you had constant contact. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just being able to constantly contact. I think I mentioned this on before when I mentioned, uh, like I, had t- I was talking to my daughter, my oldest daughter. Uh, about going to sleepaway camp like i was oh you know when i was like you know it was like i think it was like fifth grade or some shit like that fifth and maybe sixth grade or fourth and fifth grade sometime right around those mm-hmm. times i went to sleep i went to sleepaway camp twice two summers in a row um and i was telling her like yeah you know like we didn't get to watch TVs and TV and movies all summer. Like you got one night a week where you were like, we went to the cantina and you could buy some snacks and you could watch the TV and watch a movie or whatever. I was like, we didn't get to watch TV. First of all, when we were kids, summer TV was fucking terrible anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I was like, you know, we'd watch a movie or some shit. And she was like, yeah, but like when you went back to your and I was like, you know, when you were in your bunk, there was no TVs in the bunks. Like you just, you know, mm-hmm. you when it was lights out, it was lights out. Like you went to bed. And yeah. she was like, "Yeah, but you had your phone, right?" And I was just like, "No, baby. <laughs> like that just wasn't how we, we there was no cell phones. Like yeah. there was doctors in the 80s with car phones and drug dealers. Like that's right. that's it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know, your average fucking 11-year-old didn't have a smartphone <laughs> in his mm-hmm. pocket. Like, Nah, you just had your own, like, thoughts. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and feelings and imaginations. <laughs> yeah. That or, was, like, your your summer. Or, like, somebody had a cassette deck in the in a bunk and be like, yo, we're going to put some music on while we all lay down. Like, that was right. it. There was no... <laughs> just lay in the darkness. <laughs> yeah, you just lay in the darkness. Like, there was no fucking... Oh, I'm gonna get on YouTube and watch YouTube. Like it really is like they they are spoiled with the amount of content they get because like we just didn't have that, dude. Like yeah. 
there wasn't any of that when I when we were kids, and like th- there was no ability to just be missed type thing. You know what I mean? Right. right. Like there now, the biggest thing is like I'm turning my phone on airplane mode. Like mm-hmm. that's it. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Out. Yeah. Yeah. So now, yeah, it, it's it's weird, man. Like you know that age, because even though like like me and my son are literally twenty years apart, mm-hmm. um, but like. That twenty year gap is so huge. Look at everything that happened in those, you know, yeah, in those twenty years. Yeah. yeah, like that age gap is just so huge for technology, man. Like it's crazy. Um, I think we should get into some topics for the week. Um, sure. First one uh, up on the dock is Curtis Blow and Chuck D and the Hip Hop Alliance are joining forces with SAG and AFTRA, I think is how you pronounce it. It's the Mm -hmm. American Federation of TV and Radio Artists. Um, Mm -hmm. Teaming up for uh, better pay and healthcare for rappers. Um, Especially Mm -hmm. like your older ones and and stuff like that. Um, I think that's great. I I don't understand how there's no, uh, from what I've been what I've heard there is like a, a union for like musicianship, for yeah there's a there's a so I don't know if there's a a union for recording artists there's yeah a, definitely musicians unions and yes. have been you know for decades yeah I think there's more I think that covers more like studio music like you know like. Yeah studio musicians more than it covers like like you said recording artists like you know what i mean you come Um, in and play a violin on like a curtis mayfield record yeah and you're you know you get a union wage for yes yeah but like i remember first being exposed to that with the through the wire video when he says Mm -hmm. like oh yeah at the end of it he's like oh i don't have the insurance like they don't have insurance to pay for like getting his jaw washed that he had to like pull out a knot of cash and pay cash (laughs) Jesus, yeah, to get it taken care of, and it's just like I, I was like, oh shit, like there's no, and like I was still fairly young at that time, so like I, I didn't understand unions and all that kind of shit, but yeah. I was just like, I knew there was like an actors union, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, if there's a fucking actors union, there gotta be like a recording artist union, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like there? Yeah. yeah, especially back then. Like now, I do think it it may be a little harder to regulate because so many people are just independent, throwing up music on Spotify on their own. Like, you know what I mean? Um, there's no controlled version of it. Uh, back then it was like you had to go through major labels really you know what I mean have a deal and shit yeah so like I don't understand why they couldn't have set up a union back then Um, but like especially um, like as I was reading about this like Curtis Blow and Chuck were talking about like specifically for like these older artists who like never got the royalties they were supposed to be getting for the music Uh Um, and you know have all lost so much of income because like when COVID hit, like there was no, like, you know, for gears, there was no old school tour and Uh you know what I mean? Like those kind of things that were like, these artists can make money. Yeah. Was their bread and butter for a long time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you know, as, obviously as people age we don't have universal you know like the the real thing which would help everybody is if we had fucking universal health care including dental and vision in this country right. and you know what i mean all that stuff would be taken care of and you wouldn't need for that to be a part of it um you wouldn't need like a work related yes health care uh, yes. tied to to get to your work yeah yeah and that would be smart but um you know you 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 have so many, you know, as artists age and like a lot of the artists, you know, didn't take great care of themselves. We, we see artists in, in contemporary, our age group, not even just like artists from like the late seventies, early eighties, like mm-hmm. artists from our age group dealing with like, uh, with, um, fucking health issues and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you just don't have, um, a lot of people don't have the resources to get the help that they need. Um, and you know, we live in a country where, you know, you make over like 10 grand a year. Guess what? You don't qualify for Medicare now. You know what I mean? Uh Um, all these different things that you just don't, uh, you don't really, um, 
we don't really have for like these artists and especially like the royalty aspect of it. If you can start getting some of these guys the royalties they deserve on, you know, so many classic records that like a lot of these labels fuck them out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then now you have, um, you know, bad deals from labels from the past. And now these labels have struck bad, you know, bad for the artist mm-hmm. agreements with the DSPs, Spotify and, and you know, Tidal or whoever. So now you have you 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 have a music economy where you know it's always been about paying the artist last paying the artist the least but now it's even less so it's mm-hmm. like even further uh devalued so you know i think that a few things need to happen i think that uh we do see like in 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 uh we we do see in creative uh, sectors more creative workers unionizing. Yes. You know what I'm saying? When COVID hit, a bunch of writers got laid off. A bunch of publicists got laid off. And a lot of these folks have been unionizing. I, I get emails about, you know, writers unionizing in different, uh, Oh, people who work for Vice or people who work for this outlet or that outlet. People have been, you know, I, I see this stuff all the time, you know, emails and on the timeline. People have been, you know, trying to unionize. So you have more people in the creative sector thinking about the collective power, you know, that they hold as workers. But then also listeners and artists have to think about the value that we place on art. Mm-hmm. You paying $9.99 a month for the entire history of recorded music, not really, because there's a ton of <laughs> shit that's not on DSPs, yeah. but, you know, millions of songs for not having access to that for $9.99 a month, you know, the listener has to uh, think about how not sustainable that is. You know what I'm saying? The labels could be given a, a a bigger slice. The DSPs could be given a bigger slice. I I just don't think that this model of the consumer getting the cheapest possible uh, product for the most access is sustainable. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of like big questions about you know what what value we place on music, what value we place on artists and, you know, the power of workers, you know, artists included in that. That's a lot of questions that got to be answered before, you know, any of this shit gets better. You feel me? Cause like right now, uh, you know, people really think like, Oh, yo, stream my album. People think that that's like, supporting you in a, in in the sense that like how your parents supports you and make sure that you eat and make sure that you're clothed and all of that you know you streaming my album a couple of times doesn't do any of that for me no <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it don't it could be support in like you know uh 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 um metaphor you know metaphoric kind of way like oh yeah i support you i, I checked your shit out it doesn't actually support me though no. You know what I mean? So a lot of this, I'm not, I'm not blaming. You know, ultimately capitalism is the blame for <laughs> for all of this shit. I'm not blaming the consumer, but I think that we've gotten into this space where we're assuming that we're entitled to music at you know cheap as possible or no cost. Mm-hmm. So we can't, so, you know, so we see artists struggling. That's because of the system that we're, you know, that we're engaging in. I don't have the answer for how this shit looks different, but I know the shit that we got going now don't work. It don't work for artists. No, I mean, just think about like, I think my title thing is like 10 bucks a month or some shit like that, right? Yeah. 
I would easily spend more than $10 a month on music regularly, like before years, you know, before streaming shit. Like I would regularly spend more than $10 a month on, on a new CD or some shit like that. So I'd more than gladly pay $25 a month for, you know, as long as I knew like that breakdown was going for more artists and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I, I don't have the issue with like paying more if I knew the money was going where it was supposed to go. Um, it's the same way with like paying taxes. Like I don't care about paying taxes if I knew the money wasn't going to fucking, you know, Raytheon for airplanes that don't work and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or wasn't yeah. going to, you know, fucking new bombs. Like, you know, like if I knew it was going toward healthcare, like great. I don't give a shit about paying taxes if I knew it was going to healthcare or childcare or education, whatever. Happily. Yeah, exactly. Happily pay it. If if it was going to the public good, yeah. So I have no problem even thirty dollars a month, forty dollars. Like I don't have a problem paying more. Like you know what I mean? Because like th- that's one thing too is like you know it's not sustainable, but it ain't changing in the sense of like we're not going back to like all you're gonna do is go buy CDs in the store. Like that's just yeah. never gonna happen. We we live in a a society that's you know digital. Like you know what I mean? It's the same way. Like DVDs aren't selling the same way. The difference is. You know, and that's why you're seeing like streaming services pop up individually. You know what I mean? Like fucking NBC has their own one. You know, Disney has their own thing because they're all just like, well, we don't make any money by putting all our, you know, all our shit on Netflix for $15 a month. Like, you know what I mean? We're not getting a fair breakdown for that. Um, so they're all just have our own. Yes. So like, all right, so it's $10 a month and it's all going to us or, you know what I mean? Um, and so you have, uh, we're just, we're moving. Like you said, it's the system that we're in. Um, it's not, it's not necessarily like, oh, the fucking consumers to blame. The consumers just moving with the market. Like, you know what I mean? But that also is why like Bandcamp Fridays are so fucking important. Um, It's why, you know, uh, you know, just just Bandcamp alone, just going to buy and and support people's stuff and why people like shout out to the homie Reef. Like he he had released his last album, Reef the Lost Causes Alive, was strictly on Bandcamp for like two months and just got released on streaming services. You know what I mean? That's the wave. Um, yeah. That's the wave right there. Yeah. And like, you know? I'm fully, I, I definitely have no problem buying stuff for like artists like that on, on streaming, on uh, Bandcamp, um, as opposed to buying them or listening to them just on streaming. You know what I mean? Um, you know, listen, man, Drake's going to get his money and he's going to do his shows and get his endorsements. So like, he ain't where, like, it doesn't matter if he's not getting his fucking, you know what I mean? I'm paying for his album technically. Um, but you know you're you're you just have to like understand that like you know when you got like a, a smaller artist somebody like that that you really need to support especially right now it's like shows are only starting to creep back uh-huh. you know what i mean we're not still not seeing full venues and you know a lot of places are still like you know, oh, you're masked up. So like, you know, we can't do like food and we can't do this. So we're not serving this. So like the venues aren't getting paid as much because like they're not serving as much alcohol and all that kind of stuff plays into this, especially for like your, your, um, your smaller, more independent, um, artists and stuff like that. That's how they make whatever money they're making is going on tour and they've lost two years of revenue. You know what I mean? Um, and that's why, like, this kind of stuff is really important. Um, getting some kind of uh, uh, performing artist or, like, um, recording artist union in place would be huge. It would be really huge for artists because it would just um, – it would give them support that they need um, and, you know, and better wages, man. You know, that maybe they can negotiate the contract with these streaming services and get fucking people paid. Yeah, with these labels. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, you were like, uh, we don't know exactly how, like, who's to say who's, like, a professional recording artist or whatever, because everybody can just, you know, just upload music or whatever. Um, 
with like the Grammys, right? To join like the Grammy Association, you have to prove that you've like been making music and doing, you know, writing or whatever, you know what I mean? Whatever your contribution is, you know, to the industry, you have to, you know, apply and lay it out. I could see a similar model for uh, a union being like, yo, you know, all right, I produced this, I wrote this, Mm -hmm. I arranged this, you know, I did this and that and that. And then, you know, it sucks because, you know, maybe not everybody gets in, uh, but there there is a way that you can set up a system to vet people that you can, you know, that you want involved in the union. And then, you know, like you said, once you have folks, you know, uh, a part of this association, then you have like a collective bargaining power that you can take like, oh, man, you know, I'm not um, I'm not taking, you know, a penny on the dollar mm-hmm. for my deal. You know what I'm saying? And the rest of the 99 go back to y'all. You know what I'm saying? Cause I have a union behind me that's backing me, but we gotta. And I, I do think that uh, folks are thinking about this. It's like, uh, you know, I think that once music became free in the late nineties, early two thousands, it kind of uh, set off like a cultural shock yeah. where people were like, um, that people have to become acclimated to. And I think, I, you know, I think the majority of the people, casual listeners don't really care. You know, they don't give a shit if, you know, a song, they care about the song that they like. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The average person, they, they don't really give a shit if the artist, you know, is making whatever money or don't even, you know, stop to think about it. Uh, but I do think a lot of people are uh, reconsidering their choices as consumers. You know what I mean? And doing things like making sure they're supporting Bandcamp. I don't know how many niggas vinyl I've bought, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, off of Bandcamp, you know, in the past two years. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Just because I know, yo, you can't tour. You can't play a show. I, I fuck with what you do. All right, I'll pay $30 for your wax. Cause I know it's going right to you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, a lot of people are doing that, and just you know, coming into you know an understanding that the choices that we make within capitalism can help each other out or not. Yeah, I, I, you listen, man. I don't like the system, but I live and operate in it, so I'm trying to operate in it as least harmful as humanly possible. You know what I mean? Um, it's the best thing you can do. Uh, it, it's. It, it, I was watching. Um, I was watching uh, Rutherford Falls, and there's. Uh, first of all, if you haven't watched Rutherford Falls, you should check it out. It's a great show. Um, but uh, there's this reporter on there from NPR, and he's you know quote unquote NPR, but he's. Um, He's talking to uh, Michael Gray Eyes character, um, who's fucking excellent in the show. Um, and he's like, well, you know, he's uh, uh, he's an indigenous character and he runs the casino. And he's like, you know, well, doesn't capitalism go against all like your tribe's principles? And like, aren't you kind of like selling out by doing it? And he's like, um, you know, he tells him and he's just he tells him, like, you know, first of all, turn off the recorder. This is off the record. He was like, yeah, yeah. Um, but. You know, this is the system we live under. He was like, and he was like, so what I'm trying to do is use your system to help everybody. He was like, when, you know, when when I'm successful and this casino is successful, that funds arts programs for our tribe, that funds education programs for our tribe, that funds after school programs for our tribe. Like, he's like, I'm trying to make this place better and and, and help my tribe as much as humanly possible in the system right. you created. Uh-huh. You know, you know white I mean? folks forget that. Yeah, <laughs> you know they forget that. They look at like rappers. Oh, these rappers, <laughs> you know, they're capitalists and they're gaudy. We're we're captives. You know what I mean? In the shit, the the house that y'all built. Yeah, like so, I don't want to live into this system, but like I'm under this system, and until this system is dismantled, which I'm perfectly fine helping trying to do, I have to operate within it. But like, yeah. You know, 
I think about it every day. We're like, yo, someone gave me billions of dollars tomorrow. I'd give away most of that money helping individual people and trying to build things up. I, yeah, I don't want to give away a ton of that money in taxes because I know a ton of that money in taxes is going to go to fucking building bombs to go mm-hmm. bomb brown people generally. <laughs> like, you yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. no, I don't want to do... But, like, I want to be able to help as many human beings as possible, and I plan to continue doing that you know, the more and more successful we get and like, yeah, I want nice things and it's okay to like nice things. But like at the same time, that doesn't mean I'm not here to help people and try to do things and make the world a better place and operate within this system as at least harmful as humanly possible. You know what I mean? And, and I think a huge part of that is community, you know what I mean? And like, you know, whether, you know, we're all operating as as artistic people. We're all operating in the artistic community. So our job is to then help and support other artistic people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think uh, for our second topic, before we get to our new music, um, I think this is a pretty cool, you know, we'll see, um, speaking on capitalistic terms. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so for folks who don't know, like years ago when the throwback Jersey thing was like the Biggest thing in the world. So you're talking like mm-hmm. late 90s, early 2000s, like actually not even late 90s, like early 2000s um, when, you know, Jay-Z first started wearing throwback jerseys and shit like that. And it became mm-hmm. like the biggest fad in hip hop. Um, that all came from a Philadelphia based company called Mitchell and Ness. Um, mm-hmm. There, I guess they had the license to do this. Um, but uh the company used to sell it was a small little store i had been in there several times it was a small uh-huh. little store on um damn what street was that in it was in center city philly and is it on chestnut it might have been on che- I, I think it's walnut i think it was walnut uh walnut, but it might yeah. might have been chestnut i don't remember um I, those streets are the next block away from each other for non-philadelphians yeah. listening to this podcast um you're, and you're correct it, it was walnut. it was walnut okay um there was this small, tiny little. It was a tiny little store. It was not very big. It was like I used to go to school, uh, not far from there when I was little. Okay, and I remember popping in there with my dad back in the day. Yeah, it, it was like, you know, maybe four or five racks and like a wall with some stuff on it, and then a wall with hats, and then it was like an upstairs area, and then like a back. I think they did some customizing in, but um, it was a tiny little store. Um, and then it like blew up, man. It became like the biggest thing in the world, man. Like getting throwback yeah. jerseys and shit like that. I had several. Um, gave them away to like, you know, housing, you know, like clothing for the unhoused type thing. After mm-hmm. when they were out of fashion, I, I gave them away. Like $400 jerseys. <laughs> um, but uh, they expanded a, a bit and they started doing like, you know, like even some more modern stuff. But then like, you know, also still doing their uh, throwback stuff, their own lines, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, jerseys have come pretty much back in fashions. Even the throwbacks are still kind of like like are pretty pretty much back in fashion. Um, I'm seeing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I was literally no bullshit. I was looking up a Rashid Wallace Washington Bullets jersey the other day. Ooh. Yeah. And, I, and I, yeah. it was like $145 and I was like I'm about to pull the trigger on this <laughs> like <laughs> it's sitting in my cart like I'm like yeah. I think I'm gonna pull the trigger on this I um, one of them, uh I saw a bull with a Petrovich jaw and all that was crazy I wanted old, a Petrovich one bad yeah blue like the baby bloops yeah. yeah I wanted a Petrovich I want one, one of them yeah I wanted the Pistol Pete one too because it said pistol underneath uh-huh. So it was like 44 and it's a pistol underneath. Yeah, I wanted one of those bad. But um, apparently, Michael Rubin, who's a uh, minority stakes owner in um, in the Sixers, maybe mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we got James Hardy because he's like really close friends with him. Yeah. Um, he owns Fanatics, um, the, the company Fanatics. Him, Jay Z, and Meek Mill are buying Mitchell and S. Crazy. Yeah, for two hundred and fifty million, yeah. uh, which seems like not as much as I thought the company would go for. Yeah, that seems low. Yeah, it seems low, but I mean, shit. I mean, like they're still they're still a Philly based business. They're, they're obviously their store is much bigger now. Like the store is much bigger now. Um, yeah. It's on 
13th Street, I think now. I think it's on 13th mm. Street now. Um, but uh, they they're um, they expanded and all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, their Jay is by like it makes a, like I was the article I was reading. They got a quote from Jay, and he's just like, "Yo, when I first started going in there, like it was like a small little place, but like it was so cool, and it was such a like." It also was like this very kind of exclusive thing where like you had to go to them to get these jerseys. This is like before like a, a huge online presence. Like you couldn't just yep. order this. This was not like a resale uh, like thing. Like there was no, you know, oh, you buy it here and then on st- it's on StockX, you know, tomorrow mm-hmm. for three times the price. Um, or some shit. Yeah, it was like almost a streetwear thing before like the major rise of streetwear type shit and it's so so much before like this internet culture there was like you kind of had to know where Mitchell and Ness was to go mm-hmm. get fucking Mitchell and Ness jerseys um and a, a company founded in 1904 yes <laughs> yeah. which bugs me out i you know i knew it was old cuz it was yeah, old it was, yeah, when it's i been was around little. since we were kids yeah yeah you know i i didn't know that i was researching some other shit that I was writing and I was digging into like Mitchell and S's history. I didn't know it was, it was founded that long ago. Yeah. And you know, I could see a huge, like, you know, listen, Jay-Z isn't moving the fucking, the youth culture of today as far. Like, listen, when we were kids, you know, Jay said, buy something and it was bought, like, you know, people bought it everywhere. You know what I mean? You remember what Jay dog, You remember what Jay said uh I'll wear jerseys of 30 plus? Yes. I swear to God, there was a store, not to cut you off. No, no. There was a store, I know you remember this spot, uh Top Man that used to be at Broad and Alany. Mm-hmm. Now, before that record dropped, I was up there and they had the mannequins, they had a window full of like <laughs> not even the real, they had like the bogus jerseys yes, yeah. in the in the window. Hove said that, and then that Monday I was back at Broad Nolly. They had swapped all them joints out for button ups. Yep, <laughs> like immediately. So his his power in that time. This is you know early into the mid two thousands. His power at that time was was you know unparalleled to like yeah. move culture. Yeah, and so like I, yeah, he doesn't have that swing on youth culture now, right? Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't even say Meek does, honestly. You know what I mean? Meek's fucking in his thirties. Like he's not like a twenty-two year old rapper anymore, right? Um, but like they still have the pulse of like people our age and a little younger and maybe a little older, um, and you know, little baby's part of this deal too. Um, and you know, really? he's yes, little baby's part of this deal too. Wow. Um, so, um, you know, he's still young and, and you know, has the ears of you know, 20 you know, my son's generation, you know, my son mm-hmm. and, do- and my oldest daughter's generation. So, like, you know, you can make these things cool again and you know, make them cool for younger kids, but then also make them cool for like our age again. And like I said, like I, no bullshit. I thought about buying a fucking she Jersey and this is before I heard about this deal. So, um, you know, also like fashion has changed a lot now. Like when we were, when we were around that age and that was the thing, you know, you'd go to the bar and eight people would have on throwback jerseys. You know what I mean? Uh Um, it's doesn't have it's not as much like that anymore like you go places and it's like people are rocking a million different style of clothes because right you know um internet culture has allowed us to view fashion from all over the place and different lenses different yes um and um freedom of expression is a a lot different now too like the, the act of fitting in is a lot less wannabe thing like you don't need to fit in you know you don't like pressure yes that pressure is gone. So like, you know, you can just show up in something and if it's cool, people are just like, Oh shit, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And you know, I hopefully, I, I, the one thing I hope that doesn't happen is it doesn't change the con- Even though like it's online now and you can just order your Jersey, there's still like an exclusive coolness of a Mitchell and Ness aspect 
that like I hope doesn't get lost in like, you know, exorbitant branding. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I, I want it, you know, it's it's their brand, obviously they'll do what they want to do with it. Um you know, I don't want to see these joints in Target. Yeah, that's what I'm. You know that's what, what I'm kind of worried about. In, I don't want to see these joints in Target. You know what I mean? Is I do think that it's cool to have, uh, because you know, like you laid out, um, Mitchell and Ness, their story of like blowing up has was so intertwined with that, like Jay Rockefeller, very much hip hop energy. And then by, you know, uh, nature of Jay signing state property, it was a Philly hip hop sort of connection as well. So you bring in Meek, you know what I mean? It just, it, it, it looks good. Jay is, Jay is good for optics, Mm -hmm. you know, he knows how to handle that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, he's, he's good with that stuff. So yeah, it, it looks good. You know what I'm saying? This shit maybe I maybe I'll go get a jersey for when it get hot. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, definitely. Oh, you first know. and also I want to add in before we move to the new music, I do want to add in shout out to Big Rube, who's been down mm. with that company for a very long time. About to start about to open a chicken restaurant, I think. Um, but he's been down with that company for a very long time. He's the one who brought like Jay Z and all these oh, artists wow. to Mitchell and Ness. He's the one who mm-hmm. brought like the awareness of it. So shout out to yeah. him. Big Rube is a you know Philly legend, and like he's a uh, uh, he's the he's the person behind like the big hip hop impact that like these jerseys and shit was that mm-hmm. like uh, became so big, and really like I, I think like probably blew that company way up as opposed to you know what I mean. Like I'm sure yeah. Fabulous spent tens of thousands of dollars in that fucking place. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was an era when um I was just saying this to list too. That was the era when dudes were wearing jerseys and hats not of their city's team. Yep. Like yep. dudes from New York would just be wearing like some LA shit or yeah. whatever. It was it was real, you know, it was it was colorful. Yeah. Like I think when Sheed was on Boston, he like showed up to a a, a press conference afterwards wearing like a Randall Cunningham jersey. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was just like that was it was a different time. Yeah. Um But uh yeah, um I think we can move on to what we're listening to. Did you listen to anything new this week? Yeah, absolutely. Um I've been checking out uh this album. It's called Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. It's by uh Raz Fresco and DiBiase. Okay. And this shit is crazy. Really? <laughs> it's fucking crazy. DiBiase on the beats, right? Yeah, DiBiase's yeah. on the beats. Um, I didn't know uh, the boy Raz as an MC before this. I think I, I had heard a couple joints, but I hadn't listened to like a full project. Um, and I've been listening to DiBiase probably since uh, the MySpace era. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm yeah. well aware with his shit. And I saw a clip. I can't think of who shared it on Twitter, uh, but there was like a clip of a song from Secret Wars that was crazy. Like the beat, it was like a piano joint, and Homeboy was just like blacking out on this shit. I I don't think I've gone to Bandcamp and or or it might have been uh, on their site. Either it's on their site or on Bandcamp. I don't think I've gone to somebody's site and bought an album so quick after having no, you know idea of of what you know that they had done a record together uh but yeah it's like uh lyrically uh crazy on point uh crazy sharp and the production is ill Mm -hmm. and it's it's like one of my favorite things right now yeah i would expect nothing less from uh from a dibiase produced project so i'm gonna check it out where uh band camp or on streaming services i think it's on their their band camp or it might be uh on their site okay i'm not 100 percent sure but uh yeah you can you can find the shit because mm-hmm. i i think i think i went to uh ras fresco's uh uh twitter okay and the link the link was right there yeah yeah i'll definitely i'm definitely gonna check that out um i checked out the new project from currency um an alchemist mm-hmm. called continuance I don't know if Alchemist is the uh, I don't know if Alchemist is the best producer out right now. Like maybe not mm-hmm. the best. God damn, he's the most consistent. Yeah. Like his 
his production value has not dropped over the last like several years. It's not even like just the last year or so, like right. the last several years. Crazy run. Yes. Crazy, crazy run from um, Bob Deep, you know, yes. all the way up. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, he's just in, in the last couple of years, the projects he's worked on with like individual artists or like group of artists have been so fucking good, man. And this, he, you know, currency has his style. Like I like to call it like indica rap. It's mm-hmm. so laid back and like fucking body high fucking rap. Like you know what I mean. Um, and he is, uh, he is, he's very good, man. I really like currency. I, I like when I think of lo-fi hip hop. That's what I think of is lo-fi hip hop. Like you know what yeah. I mean. Um, very chilled out and, and, and very dope to listen to. Um, he's spitting on this like he always is spitting and Alchemist just gives him some of the best fucking backdrops to rap over mm. um, and you got Styles P on this record um, Havoc Wiz Khalifa um, a few other artists um, and it might have my favorite track from Currency I've ever heard and that's even the one like he has a joint with Jay Electronica and a joint with Mos Def and I like this is probably my favorite the last mm-hmm. track on the record called Cool in the Gang is legit probably my favorite currency record oh shit um yeah. the and beat got is, a lot yeah I was <laughs> looking at his I was looking at records. I was looking at last year and just on like you know like official streaming releases he has he had eight records last year <laughs> um so this is a um it's just like alchemist just gives him the perfect beat for him to rhyme over and like it cool in the game man it's so it's such a good song man i I definitely think people should check this record out um check both records out um go find it um and you know other than that we can start wrapping up um, you can find us on social media at Serious Rap Shit on Instagram and Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. all, you're John underscore Liberator on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Indy, I-N-D-I uh, underscore S-R-S on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we have a website, SeriousRapShit.com. All our merchandise is there. Hoodies, t-shirts, beanies, jackets, mugs. Um, go support. We're an independent podcast. Go support. Um, we also have a Vivo channel. Um, our partnership with Vivo. It's Serious Rap Shit Vivo. V E V O. Put mm-hmm. all that in one, you know, one straight word on um, uh, your YouTube search bar. You'll find us there. Make sure you I like and it. subscribe. You know what I mean. We have new shit going up there all the time. Um, we have uh, a surprise going up there real soon. Uh, we'll talk about that in another week or two. Um, and other than that, we'll be back next week. Peace. Peace. Me and my friend, take his fat, 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 f